I'm Lisa Popchak, and you're listening to Momfidence, for moms at every age and every stage. Being a mom is wondrous and delightful, but also at times exhausting and overwhelming and confusing and frustrating. Momfidence is a place for moms to come for encouragement, comfort, some new tools, and the confidence boost you need to be the mom you want to be. Hello, moms. It's great to be with you again. As we go through the Momfidence principles, and today we're on principle six, which is people before things, I honestly think that this is one of the toughest principles for those of us parenting in modern times to actively apply on a daily basis. And I think that even a short time ago, it was a lot easier to do this because things were objects, usually. So if our child was fussing about, you know, a particular toy or, you know, fighting with their sibling about a particular toy, it was easy to go in, negotiate with them, help them to remember that their relationship was more important than that toy. And if they needed time to calm down, we could take the toy away and then help them with all of that. But now things are very, very different. You know, families used to be socialized to prioritize family time. Children were encouraged to play with real toys, like I was just talking about, and also real friends. These daily habits allowed families to relate to each other frequently and even just casually but also more deeply when it was appropriate because the routine time that we had together laid the foundation for deeper, more meaningful conversations. But now, of course, we all know that almost everything is virtual. And of course, that's escalated over the last few years, hasn't it? Adults and children check in with our friends and each other virtually. The constant pressure of virtual availability often has us keeping one eye on our screens, even during our off hours. And we find that a lot of our relaxation time is spent online as well. You know, toy stores have been closing down all across the nation for years now because children are finding their enjoyment and their playtime mostly in some kind of internet activity. So families just aren't getting the actual real life interaction time that they need to feel connected and build healthy, holy relationships with each other. Now, many parents see this tendency in their children or find that their children are using their devices in ways they don't like, or would just prefer that they not do it as much And the reaction is to take the phones or the gaming system away for a time, hoping that relationships will automatically improve, that behaviors will suddenly just right themselves, and that children will magically develop a Thoreau-style relationship with nature. But what is seldom recognized is that telling a child what not to do will not bear the results hoped for especially if those results have not been expressed or have been expressed vaguely. 
broad statements like go outside and play or think about your behavior or put that down and just go read a book. All of those don't give any real inviting alternatives. They simply express the idea that in this moment, the parent doesn't approve of the child being on a device. However, they still want the child to just go away and busy themselves with something else. And often, our kids don't really have an experience with something else. So they can't just begin to start doing that without any guidance. If we want children to develop real relationships with us, friends, God, or even their own minds and creativity, we must invite and disciple them into doing so. And we can do this in three ways. Number one, beyond telling them what not to do, we must tell and teach them what we want them to do instead. Number two, we must make that alternative be about connection in some way. Connection with us, connection with friends, connection with nature, connection with their own creativity. And number three, we have to make that alternative engaging. Now, I'm not saying everything has to be super fun, but it has to be engaging. It has to be something that they can do and connect with. So let's look at a few examples to make this clearer. A very common situation is creating the rule, no phones at mealtime. Now, this is a very laudable rule. I back up that rule. Research backs up that rule with evidence all over the place that says, that says family meals benefit everyone in such a long list of ways that I won't bore you with it here. But those benefits do not spontaneously occur if the family is sitting in stony silence or grudgingly just sharing the basic facts of the day. How was school? Fine. You know, how'd you do on your test? Got a D. I got an A. I got just facts. Or especially if we're using that time to discipline or lecture instead of actually build relationships. Instead, the parents must create an engaging atmosphere where all the members feel safe and invited to share their thoughts and stories. Creating a pleasant atmosphere helps a great deal in this. A simple setting, free of distractions, allows the family to relax and spend time together. Setting the standard of only kind conversation with no criticism or negativity towards each other tells them the behavior that you expect to see when you have a meal together. It also helps to come to time together with engaging topics to discuss, such as an interesting article you've read, or a question even from a pack of conversation cards. There are so many now, and they can really have us discussing things that we never would have thought of talking about as a family. And it can often really be a lot of fun or help us learn a lot about each other or both. Setting up mealtime this way lets all the family members know what you want them to do instead of looking at their phones. 
creates a connection between you and does so in an engaging way because you've brought up the article or you're using the conversation card or you're talking about a book you are reading together at night or whatever that is, it goes beyond just the perfunctory, you know, what time do you need to be picked up after, after play practice tomorrow night kind of thing. Let's look at another example. Perhaps you want your children to get outside and play rather than sitting staring at a screen. I think every parent has had that moment where they just feel like they're going to lose their minds if they see their kid on a screen for one more minute. And intuitively, we think they need some fresh air and some sunshine and to use their imagination. Now, for children who rarely experience unstructured time outside, this can feel foreign leaving them not knowing what to do. So using the three steps again, we would have a greater chance of success if, say, we went outside with them. That's teaching them what to do. We could connect by taking a walk together, playing on a swing set together, playing catch, collecting leaves, laying on a blanket and reading aloud together, or other activities that you can think of as long as it's something your child finds inviting and you both engage in. Once you've done this several times, it allows you to build relationship with your child and it helps your child feel comfortable doing a variety of things outdoors away from their screens. So then there will be times when you can just say, hey, it's really time for you to get outside. Why don't you go out for a while while I finish this? you know, whatever it is you're doing, and we'll get together in an hour. That allows your children to begin to do that when you say that because they, they've learned what the options are when they go outside. If your area is a place where they can go out safely by themselves and they're of the appropriate age, but you've shown them how by using those three steps. One more example is If you want your child to spend time outside of school with their friends face to face. This is often a desire we have for our kids, but it really needs your help to facilitate it because (laughs) kids feel comfortable talking to each other over social media, but they don't ever pick up a phone and call each other. Very rarely. Most kids, if you say, why don't you call your friend and see if they want to come over? They want the floor to open up and swallow them at the very idea. It's so outside of of what is considered appropriate. But we can use these three steps again by generating a list of ideas with your child that would facilitate a way to get together with friends in person. For instance, hosting a board game party at night at your home with lots of snacks, or having a hot dog and s'mores gathering around a fire pit, or taking them and their friends to a fair in the summer or fall, and maybe even sledding in the winter. The point is you need to plan ways to make it fun and engaging for your child and their friends. Doing it this way allows you to make sure that the time with their friends is more fun than just texting each other and is safe and wholesome and encourages them to do things like it again. 
See, these three steps can help all the members of the family to prioritize relationship with people over things, as God has always encouraged us to do throughout time. If we look at scripture time and again, especially in the New Testament, God encourages us to be in relationship with people rather than things, rather than rules, rather than anything. Because it's through relationship with each other that we learn how to love him and be loved by him. So let's go over those three points again. Number one, beyond telling them what not to do, we must tell and teach them what we do want them to do instead. Number two, we must make the alternative be about connection. And number three, we need to make that alternative engaging. Now today, I've used this principle, number six, of putting people before things in the context of devices. Because as I said, that's the thing we use the most. But this can be about anything. This can be about maybe the only thing they do all the time is shoot baskets and or, or practice a certain thing that they're interested in. And you want them to broaden into these other areas. Whatever it is, if you feel like they're fixating on a thing and not on relationships with people, God, or themselves, these steps can help you help your children make those changes successfully and give you all a broader, more connected, more love-filled life. God bless you all. Thanks for joining me today for this Monfidence Moment. If you want more encouragement, come on over to Monfidence.org for the blog and other confidence-boosting resources.